Hey, this is Keith. I'm the pastor of Blaze Church. Welcome to our podcast. I know today's message is going to inspire you, encourage you, and lead you to know God more. If you want to connect with us, visit us online at blazechurch.org. Enjoy today's message. My name is Josh, if we haven't had the privilege of meeting, so so glad to see every one of you. Uh, how's it going, guys? How's summer going? It's all right? Yeah? Yeah? It's a good, good time. Um, I want to kick us off this morning with a confession. Can I do that? Can I share something with you? Uh, my grass at home is terrible. All right. Uh, maybe it's not that bad. I like to think it's not that bad, but it really is more like a collection of dirt and dandelions than it is grass. Uh, amen to that, right? Uh, on the other hand, my neighbor, Sean. Sean, if you're watching at home, uh, I'm sorry. I know your grass is so much better than mine. Like, he does such a great job, and it's just like a stark contrast between the two. Uh, but I want to I wanna share a phrase with you, and I think you may have heard this before. Anyone hear the phrase before, the grass is greener? Say that with me. The grass is greener, right? So what does that mean? It means like you're look. Thanks, man. You're looking on the other side of the fence, and you say, "Man, it's so much better over there." Now, for me, that happens very literally at home, but I have a feeling I'm not the only one. Maybe not in the literal sense, but in other areas of life. Like I want to talk today. Really, I really feel my call today is to bring this message from from God's heart for us to say, "Hey, we're looking over that fence." but the grass isn't greener. So I want to talk about, I'm going to use the words contentment. You know, we just sang this beautiful song, right? This declaration, like, I will be content in every circumstance. Uh, for me, that's easy to sing when I'm on the front row in worship with you all. It's hard sometimes, somebody. Can I get an amen? And so we're going to talk about the word jealousy and really just see what God has for our lives. Uh, I have a question. In what area have you looked over the other side of the fence. And you said, hey, it's better over there. Maybe I'll get some participation. Let's be lively for a second. Like, is it family? Is it job? Like, yeah, money, yeah, yeah. Relationships, house, I feel that. For me, maybe it's being at the restaurant, right? The wait waitress comes over with this like big tray of food and I'm looking like, I want every th single thing on that dish. It's the simple things, it's the bigger things in life, right? Or how about this? Another way to say it is, I need blank to be happy. You could fill in the blank. You kind of know what that is for you. Like, I need that thing in order to be content is our big word for the day. Uh, so we are kicking off this four-week series called Living the Dream. And here's what I know about you and I, even if we're just meeting today. Uh, everyone has a dream. We all have a dream that God's placed in our heart. Like we're all created on purpose for a purpose. And as Christians, our God-sized dreams can only be accomplished through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's truly what we believe. It's what we know when we know Jesus. So we're going to look at the life of a young man named Joseph. And we're going to discover how this young man, he had a big dream. Uh, and through his story, we're going to discover four values so today we'll take this value of contentment. We're going to talk about how we need contentment in our lives to live out the God-given dreams that he's placed within us. And so that, that's our big word. Everyone say contentment. Contentment. Uh, contentment, let's define that a little bit. Well, what's the opposite? Contentment, uh, the opposite of contentment is jealousy. Like jealousy is the antithesis, the complete opposite. 
and really want to shine a spotlight to say like jealousy is not only sneaky like it sneaks in sometimes without even us noticing that we're there but it is completely destructive and so a part of this is really i just want to paint a big warning sign like hey guys like don't undermine like the sneakiness and the destructiveness of this thing called jealousy because it comes up in our hearts and we don't even notice sometimes but god's got a good plan for us today to discover contentment in jesus so the grass isn't greener everybody that's what i'm here to tell us uh, but two questions for us to kind of chew on as we continue to talk today uh, are you content and why are you content? Like talking about, are you content? Are you in a place of contentment? And then what's, what's the source? What's the object? Is, is that a lasting contentment? So I really wanna look at why contentment's so important, necessary for our lives. And we're gonna be introduced to this man named Joseph. Everyone say, hi, Joe. All right, so Joe is a teenager when we meet him uh, in the book of Genesis in the Bible. Uh, he's just 17 years old, so young man. Uh, he's a sheep boy, so he's tending to the flocks of his family. A uh, little more about Joe. He is one of 11 brothers. Anybody have a big family, a lot of brothers and sisters? Yeah, yeah. So he's one of 11. Uh, I'm sorry, one of 12. He has 11 brothers, uh, and 10 of his brothers are older. So he's almost the baby of the family. And his dad is older in age, right? So we just got introduced to Joe. That's a little context. Let's dive in. This is Genesis chapter 37. And it says, Jacob, that's Joseph's father. Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his other children because Joseph had been born to him in his old age. So one day Jacob had a special gift made for Joseph, a beautiful robe. All right, parents in the room, let me talk to you for a second. Is there any problem in this verse right here? <laughs> can, can we say the word favoritism? Like, not just favoritism, but we're going to see how this really builds off and what this means in Joseph's uh, family. But, man, that's a, that's a huge problem, right? So check this out. Next verse. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. So this isn't just like, I secretly like this child more because they always listen to what I say. This is like, it's visible, it's on display. Dad is clearly showing Joe the favoritism of the family and giving him extravagant gifts, creating this environment, right? Jealousy, we're gonna start to see that. So the brothers aren't just upset, like they hate him. They literally can't speak a kind word to him. Like 17 years this guy's been in the family. They've been seeing him get this special treatment. You feel a little tension here? Like stepping into his life? Maybe you and I can relate. Like how do you feel when you see someone clearly treated better than you? Right, let's be honest. Like maybe that's a parent or a family member like this getting the special treatment, but you're ignored. Maybe it's at work. The coworker gets the promotion and you don't. What, what's going on in your heart in those moments, right? Where at, at school or, or at work, you work hard, and someone else gets recognized, someone else is awarded. Like what's the default response that wells up in our hearts in these moments? Let's be honest, it's jealousy, right? It, it's I want that. Like contentment is not a natural response for us this morning. So my message is not try harder, be better, be more content. It's to discover the one who is himself the contentment of our lives. 
Like Joseph's brothers, they literally, it said they could not speak a kind word. And I think there's intentionality in how the Bible delivers language like this. Like there was actually an inability in their hearts to speak a kind word. And here's why Jesus reveals this to us. In Luke 6.45, Jesus says, what you say flows from what is in your heart. And what was in their heart was jealousy, anger, bitterness, discontent. Now, followers of Jesus this morning, we know that we have been called to speak life, but we can only speak life when life is what's in our heart, right? Like that's the challenge for us. Your words are simply the results of what's already inside you. What's in you is going to flow out. And so it's so important for us to put the focus, like Peter said last week, on the real us, like what's really inside of us today. Open that up to God, bring that to the table. He sees it anyway, because inevitably at some point or another, that is what's going to flow out of our lives. So it's so important. It flows from our heart, out of our mouth, and to the world around us through our words. Here's what Proverbs has to say about words. Wise words satisfy like a good meal. Come on, can I get some ribeye, somebody? Like, a, it's a good meal. Like, wise words are just so satisfying. The right words bring satisfaction. It says, the tongue can bring death or life. Those who talk, who, those who love to talk will reap the consequences. Man, that phrasing just hit me when I read that. Your words reveal what's happening into your heart. It's like a portal to what's going on on the inside, right? Okay, we talked a little bit about words. Let's get back on the path with Joseph, his brothers. Let's see how they respond next. Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. He said to him, he said to them, listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. All right, I don't have to really explain this too much what's happening here. But Joseph has this dream and he's basically telling his brothers, hey guys, I'm almost the baby of the family, but you're all going to serve me. Like, I'm going to be king over you. You're going to bow down to me. Again, 17 years favoritism. I'm superior. Like, this is offensive. <laughs> like, enough is enough, Joe. Like, how would you feel if your little brother in this context came to you and shared this with you? Uh, but somebody say, not but once, but twice. Right? So his brother said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? They hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said but that's not enough. Here we go. Then he had another dream and he told it to his brothers. Listen, he said, I had another dream. And this time the sun and the moon and 11 stars were bowing down to me. Guys, jo Joseph is pouring the gas on the fire of jealousy, whether he realizes or not, he's got to realize it, right? I mean, step into his, I, but the brothers are seething with hate, seething with hate. They're just livid over this. And so it's kind of laughable for us in this moment, but there's so much tension here. Like, wouldn't you be? Wouldn't you have this level of tension? So here's what happens next. I don't know if Joseph's dad was thinking a whole lot about this plan, but he sends Joseph out to the field to go check on his brothers. 
And here's what happens. When Joseph's brothers saw him coming, they recognized him in the distance. And as he approached, they made plans to kill him. Like that wasn't an, maybe that was an instant plan in the moment, but again, this has been festering, right? Here comes the dreamer, they said. Come on, let's kill him. Let's throw him into one of these cisterns. We can tell our father a wild animal has eaten him. Then we'll see what becomes of his dreams. Like, let's kill him. Like, how extreme. Like, and they go to make plans to, to act on this. This isn't just like, oh, I said something I didn't mean. Like, that's the fruit in their heart that's revealing the root. Like, jealousy is the fruit that's now coming out, that's revealing what's been in their heart. And the root desires within them, they are not good. Here's, here's what James has to say about this in the New Testament. He says, what is causing quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? You want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. You are jealous of what others have, but you can't get it, so you fight and wage war to take it away from them. Now, it's clear for you and I to see this is what's happening in Joseph's family, right? But what happens in our own lives when we choose jealousy? It's the same fruit. It's the same evil desires in our heart that are taking root that produce this fruit of jealousy. James goes on, he says, yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. And even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. So we've got to take a moment and say, what's going on inside of me in these moments of jealousy? Like, okay, you want something? Okay. Have you asked God? Have you brought that to him? Have you like worked that out? You can talk to him about that. He sees it anyway. Like this is so key because it, it really does put the focus on back where it needs to be right? Our relationship with God, talking to him, open communication and saying, God, what do you have to say about this? Like, you're the one who is life itself. You give me life. How, how, how do I process this? How do I work this out? So talk to God about that. And if he responds with yes, when you come and say, Lord, this is something that I want. Well, if he responds with yes, that's amazing. Great. But if he responds with no, Here's the harder part for us. Are we able to be content? The answer is yes, only in Jesus. Unlike Joseph's dad, we serve a heavenly father who has no favorites. Here's what Paul writes in Romans. He says, for God does not show favoritism. That is really, really, really good news. Because like when you put your request in, like my request is not gonna be higher or lower on your list. He's able to hear all of us and have a personal relationship with every single person. Go to God, talk to him about the evil stuff that's trying to come up in your heart. He sees, he knows, he has a better plan for you. Well, good news, we have a heavenly father that doesn't show favorites, shows love to all of his children. Now for the brothers, they could have talked to their dad about the situation. Uh, we don't see specifically in scripture that they do or they don't. But here's what we do know. We know that jealousy 
was welling up in their hearts. We know that that led to this moment of anger and literally planning to kill their brother, like their blood relative to literally kill him. So here's what happens next. Judah, one of the brothers, he said to his brothers, what will we gain by killing our brother? We'd have to cover up the crime. Instead of hurting him, let's sell him to those Ishmaelite traders. After all, he's our brother, our own flesh and blood. And his brothers agreed. So when the Ishmaelites, who were Midianite traders, came by, Joseph's brothers pulled him out of the cistern and sold him to them for 20 pieces of silver. And the traders took him to Egypt. Like, here is jealousy in action in his family. It's visible. It has an impact on somebody's life. It's going to change Joseph's destiny forever. Now, we'll see how God uses that. But let's stay in this moment right now. The magnitude of this, jealousy equals them saying, let's kill him. Ah, let's change our plan. Let's traffic him. Let's sell him into slavery. Like, with unresolved jealousy and without godly guidance in their lives, these people respond in a very destructive way. It's jealousy on full display. It's jealousy that is so ugly. And it's the same jealousy that wells up in our hearts. See, left unchecked, jealousy leads to these ugly results. I wrote down a couple of thoughts that jealousy leads to. It steals joy. It develops discontent fosters hate, creates division, blocks love, forfeits freedom, stunts growth, and it destroys relationships. Just kind of think about all that for a second, right? Wow. Now, before you and I continue to make Joseph's brothers the villains of this story, the truth is that you and I are more alike these guys than we would ever want to admit. Like, you may not throw your boss into a physical pit or traffic someone, but do you write them off in your heart in anger? Do you kill them with anger in your heart? I mean, for me, I'll get honest. I, I know that I can so easily let jealousy sneak into my heart. Um, last week, was anybody here for when Peter preached? Great dynamic message. It was awesome. Uh, for me... I can think, man, that was great. I can't draw like that. Like, I, I can't, how do I follow that up? And I can really lean into these thoughts of, oh, I'm not good enough. And I can start to feel inferior and I could let jealousy, you see how it just starts simply and it can grow from there. Or I could see a close friend just crushing it at being a great dad to their kids. And instead of celebrating that, my first response is, oh man, I gotta do better, oh man. Like, they're doing such a great job. Man, I want that. Like, jealousy, looking at someone else at their seat at the table and feeling like, oh, I'm excluded. Am I relating with you guys? You know, I don't know what area that is for you, but let's let the Holy Spirit be the guide and put his finger on our heart and say, hey, here's where we need to just surrender, surrender this to me. But here's our question. How do you live out the dream that God has placed in your life and push against this bitter, bitter jealousy? Can you step into someone's home that's much nicer than yours and celebrate with them <laughs> and not think, oh man, I wish I had this? <laughs> Unlike the brothers, can you celebrate with others when they share their dreams openly with you, even when there's nothing in it for you? 
Like, can you say, hey, I'm going to celebrate when you win because it's just like I'm winning because I love you. Let's continue stories, uh, Joseph's story in the next coming weeks. But really, we're going to turn the spotlight back to us right now. Back to those two questions I said before. Are you content and why are you content? Here's the answer for believers in Jesus. We are content because of Christ. Listen to what the psalmist writes. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. See, when the Lord is our shepherd, we have nothing that we need. That's actually what that word want means. It's like, we have nothing more that we need. I was at my mom and dad's house uh, this past week and I looked over at the fridge and I said, oh, I said, I, I know who drew this drawing. And my uh, six-year-old Ellie, uh, she drew this and I, Peter, I, I'm not an artist like you. So this is my six-year-old here. Um, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. She's got a beautiful blue sky. She's got a son, she's got a sheep. And I was like, oh, there's a man laying. Oh, she, she drew the man laying down by the green pastures. But I looked at this and visuals are so helpful sometimes, right? I'm just looking at this dude, just kind of basking in the sun. And anybody like going to the beach on summer vacation, just like, just unplugging, just this like simple, pure, I have nothing that I need moment. Like that's what the psalmist is writing here, this total freedom in Jesus. He restores my soul, he says. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Man, for me, I've known this psalm for so many years, but I read it this week. And it brought such life to my soul. Man, like I'm looking at this going, that is a good life right there. Not wanting, not yearning, not grasping, just content in knowing my Savior is with me, that I can be content in every circumstance. Like these green pastures, this picture of no fear, true contentment, that's what the Good Shepherd is here to give us, his very self this morning. I'll say it like this. The grass is as green as it gets when Jesus is your shepherd. Like the grass isn't greener somewhere over there because you already have the opportunity to know the savior of the world right here. And if we can grab onto that, man, will the world know the savior who is alive, the love that the Lord has for every single person because they can see it just emanating from our lives. Like, can we stop looking at the grass that's over there and invite him to come do his work in us? So if we have already everything we need in Jesus, what else are we looking for? That's what I'm going to ask you this morning. If Jesus is everything that you need, what else are you looking for this morning? Keep living the dream. Keep going to God. Keep going after what he's placed in your heart. This is not a call for uh, complacency. This is a call for contentment in him, like being content with what you have now. And when jealousy comes to rise up in our hearts, and we know those moments are coming, we know those moments will come, 
when that happens, go to the good shepherd. He is taking care of you. He leads you, he feeds you, and he cares for you just as a shepherd cares for the sheep. Christians can be content because Jesus is the shepherd. And so the most important question for every single person, whether you're here in the room this morning or watching online, is do you know the good shepherd? Can you say that you know Jesus personally as your Lord, as your Savior, as your God? And I'm just here to give you an opportunity to know the Lord today. The Bible is so beautiful and it makes it so clear for us. All who call on the name of the Lord are saved. You confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. You believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. He is alive today. You are saved. Saved from what? Saved from sin. Saved from a life of discontentment and fulfilled in him that we can make him known to the world around us. I want to give you that invitation today. If, if you've never placed your faith in Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, I want to invite you to pray with me. Say these words after me. And if you are a believer in Christ, I want to invite you to also say these words together. It's a beautiful rededication of ourselves to the Lord. So with every eye closed and every head bowed, say these words with me. Let's say, God, I believe that Jesus is Lord that he is the son of God, the savior of the world, that you raised him from the dead. And I choose today to follow the good shepherd. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. Help me to follow you in Jesus' name. Amen. Can we celebrate for a moment? Thank you, God. I want to invite you to stand with me. We are going to respond with uh, this chorus that we just sang earlier. And as we do, I pray that your heart is just so filled with the contentment that Jesus has for your life. Let me pray for you as we start to worship. God, I thank you that you've brought us in this place, that we've gotten a picture of you as our good shepherd this morning. I pray that you would create contentment in our hearts, Lord. We have everything that we need in you. And so as we say this, I'm already loved. I'm already chosen. I know who I am because I know I'm yours. May it become more and more true in our lives. In Jesus' name.